Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day. Genesis 25, starting with verse number one. The Bible says, then again, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah. And she bare him Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua. Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan and the sons of Dedan were Ashuram and Letishim and Leamim and the sons of Midian. Ephah and Ephur and Hanok and Abidai and Abida and Elda and these were the children. Wouldn't you just, you know, my mom had problems going through all of our names as kids. Could you imagine? Elbiadiah, you know, <laughs> whoever you are, come here. <laughs> I tell you what. But anyway, all these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham, verse 5, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. I want to just point out right here from the onset a very stark difference. In verse 5, Abraham gave all. Everybody say all. Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines he gave gifts. I want to preach a little while on this kind, maybe just a little simple title, but you'll understand it by and by. I want to preach tonight this, the trust fund. The trust fund. Amen. Let's pray tonight that the Lord would help us. Father, I need you this evening. God, as I would share, Lord Jesus, from this book yet again today, I pray, O oh Lord, anoint our hearts, anoint our understanding. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, help me, Jesus, to, God, say this in such a manner or way, God, that someone can grasp onto it. I pray, O oh Lord, God, encourage your heart, encourage your soul. I pray, O oh Lord, I have felt you in this place today in such a, Lord, close and intimate way. I pray, O oh God, do not leave us at this point in time now. God, but let your spirit still move upon the hearts and the minds and souls of your people. Let there be a synergy between the pulpit and the pew, Lord. And we'll love and appreciate you, God, for the accomplishments that come about by your hand. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Again, shake your neighbor's hand before you're seated. Greet them. Amen. Hallelujah. We fall sometimes, particularly in the Old Testament Scripture, we fall somewhat into a, a trap or rut, if you will, and that is because it's easy for us to follow the main vein of the family of promise. It's easy for our attention to be all times caught up with the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph type of line. And uh, that, that, that line of family of promise and forget that 
many of those men in that, in that legacy uh, had other wives or concubines, and not only that, but had children by those wives. And it's in this passage tonight that uh, are named before us some of the various children and grandchildren that were born out of the union of Abraham and his wife or concubine by the name of Keturah. We could also begin to look at the, the, the handmaid by the name of Hagar who uh, bore and was responsible for the son of Ishmael that Abraham had. And so uh, these are some other, some other divisions of his family that we don't normally concentrate too much on. We're normally captured by the Sarah. Uh, we're captured by that lady of promise, the wife that Abraham took back in the beginning of his life at Ur of Chaldees that the Bible speaks of that from the very onset of their union that she is described as being barren. Amen, being barren. And it would be her condition of being barren that led Sarah even to ever give her handmaid Hagar unto Abraham that he might go into her and have uh, some type of offspring in the family. It isn't known for sure. You can read and scholars are at odds with one another. We don't know for sure if this uh, concubine by the name of Keturah entered Abraham's life before Sarah's death or after Sarah's death. But nevertheless, as I read to you, or at least tried to read to you, she had several children. Several children was produced by Keturah. We understand that from Hagar came Ishmael. But from Keturah came Zimran and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua. And yet from Sarah came just one, which was Isaac. And as the normal family would go with children, children have a tendency to be somewhat in competition for their parents' attention. Oh, it is so ever true. But they are many times in competition for your children. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, for your attention. For as a matter of fact, if you've ever had two or three or so children that's ever been buying for the same parents' attention, it can almost get a little unnerving. Whenever you're getting the taps on various places of your body and there's that constant dad, 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 dad that is going. It can almost be a little unnerving. But, but children like to have the attention of their parents. They like to have uh, the, the approval, the favor, if you will, of their parents. And no doubt at some time in their lives, probably earlier lives, maybe even later lives, that those kids at one point in time is going to charge either mom or dad with moments of being unfair oh yes they will give the cry hey you that that was unfair whether they I've seen it even in, in adulthood children young and old they'll have cries that they have a keen eye for whenever a parent is unfair or perceivably unfair if I may demonstrate tonight you gave him a larger brownie than me you spent more time saying goodnight prayers with her than me. I always get in trouble, but he doesn't. I never get to stay up late. I count and he got more presents for his birthday than I did when it was my birthday. She got to choose last time what these are, are cries of unfairness. 
unfairness, cries of unfairness. They want the same equal attention. They want the same and equal favor. And as parents, we try to the best of our ability to accomplish that, but it doesn't always happen, honey. It just doesn't always happen. In Old Testament times, the scriptures are littered with so-called moments of unfairness. Many times there was love and many times there was favor that was shown by virtue of material goods or gifts to their children or to a loved one or to somebody that they favored. They would usually give more to someone that they favored more. They would give less to someone that they loved or favored less. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter number 1 that the favor and the love that Elkanah had and signified to Hannah was by giving her, that wife, a worthy portion that he gave. The Bible declares that he gave to Peninnah and her sons and daughters portions. But to Hannah, he gave a worthy portion indicating his love, indicating his favor toward that wife. In Genesis 45, the Bible speaks that Joseph displayed his favor and his love for his younger brother Benjamin when all the other brothers in his life received a change of garment. Amen. By comparison, Benjamin, his younger brother, amen, would receive five changes of garment with 300 pieces of silver. That was a way that Joseph could show his love and his affection to a greater degree for this brother than any of the others by the goods that he was given unto him. In Genesis 45, Joseph has the own own favor of his father upon his life indicated by the coat of many colors that he got from his dad. But also Jacob, his father, amen, gave unto Joseph, the Bible says, a portion that was above his brethren, amen, that he even took out of the hand of the Amorite with his bow. He gave him a portion above, a portion that he had sacrificed his life for, a portion that he had fought for. He gives it to Joseph, because he favors Joseph, he loves Joseph to a greater degree than any of the other sons or daughters that he has in his life. Unfairness. Someone say amen. We're doing an old time walk of building a foundation. All right. Unfairness. One was given more gifts than another. One given more attention than another. It could even be seen if one parent is more protective over a child than another. But not only that, in Old Testament times, even birth order somehow emphasized a child being better or more favored above the rest. The firstborn, the Bible speaks that that firstborn child is the beginning of his father's strength. That firstborn child is the opener of his mother's womb. So there is a certain amount of prestige, perk, and privilege that comes with being the firstborn son. They even say that the eldest son's special position, amen, was widely recognized in their day, but it was usually not extended to sons of concubines or sons of slave girls. We understand in Scripture, just walk with me here, just say, I know where you're going every once in a while and we'll be all right. Ishmael was the eldest son in Abraham's family. Ishmael was the eldest son in Abraham's family. But he was the eldest son of a handmaid. He was the eldest son of a slave girl. So even prior to Isaac being born, 
Abraham already knew that Isaac was going to be the covenant child. That Isaac was going to be the child of promise. That Isaac would be the firstborn son of his wife, Sarah. And that is where the firstborn focus would be placed. It would be placed upon Isaac. And so we see from the very beginning of Isaac's life, a constant competition for the love and the attention of Abraham and of Sarah after the birth of Isaac. We see from the very beginning that Ishmael is already caught mocking Isaac. Amen. So the Bible states that he and his mother Hagar are cast out because with the right and the position of the firstborn, there are some perks and there are some privileges. First of all, a firstborn usually received a double portion of the inheritance in comparison to their other siblings. Someone might say unfair. Also, they received a special paternal blessing, amen, from their parents, such as the one that Jacob stole from Esau. They had, the firstborn had a, a row of family leadership, a row of leadership in the family. They had an honored place at the table. Can you imagine? This is your spot because, honey, I made you a pork steak and it's larger than everybody else. You get it set by mom and dad. Some of these kids today would not count that a privileged spot at the table. <laughs> I'm okay about five feet away from you. Thank you very much. But the firstborn, it's double inheritance compared to their siblings. It's special blessings upon their life. It's family leadership. It's an honored place at mealtime. Uh, just again to undergird uh, uh, the importance or the blessing and the favor and love, if you will, being the firstborn. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 21 and 3, the Bible says that their father gave them great gifts of silver and of gold and of precious things with fenced cities in Judah, but the kingdom... He gave he to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. While all the other siblings got some gold and silver and gifts of metals, Jehoram got the kingdom basically because of his birth order. He was the firstborn. Yet intentionally for us this evening, intentionally canvassed right here in the scriptures, Isaac gets more, listen to me right here, Isaac gets more than the benefits of the firstborn right here in scripture. He's not just getting a double portion. He is not just getting, if you will, a special place at the table with mom and dad. He's not getting just a paternal blessing upon his life. He's not just getting all the things that a firstborn should get, but he's getting above and beyond even what a firstborn child gets. The Bible plainly declares that Abraham gave all, everybody say all, he gave all that he had to Isaac, but to the sons of the concubines, Abraham gave gifts. I would believe one of the children of Keturah would probably arise up and say, hey, there's a discrepancy. Hey, there's some unfairness going on here. Hey, there's an injustice that's happening right here. I can hear the, the, the squabble, amen, of the children of Abraham. This is unfair. I know we all don't share the same mother, but hey, 
We do share the same father. This is not right. We expected that Isaac should get a double portion, amen, of dad's inheritance. We expected he should get a paternal blessing. We expected he should have an esteemed spot of leadership. We expected that he should have a special place at the table. But are you telling us that he's getting more than that? That he's getting all that dad has? You telling me he's getting all that dad has? Dad in his dying day is 175 years old. Do you realize everything a person can collect and amass in 175 I've moved just a few times in my life. And whenever I moved, Brother DePriest, I scratched my head, bum-fuzzled, and thought, where did we get all this stuff? I know from all proper appearances looking at it, it was not a walk-in closet, but I pulled enough stuff out of there as though it was. Where does all this stuff come from? Do you, under, do you understand? Whenever he is going to get everything that dad has, dad has been collecting things, amassing things. Things have been given to him. There's been battles won in his life. He's come out of Egyptian bondage uh, with gold and silver and livestock and everything that dad has gathered in his past 175 years, all is going to be given to Isaac. My Lord. Isaac then is not just getting a double portion. He's getting the riches of a lifetime in just a moment. He's getting the amassing and the gathering, if you will, of 175 years in just a moment. Everything that Abraham had purchased, everything that Abraham had traded for would be Isaac's those things that Abraham had invested his blood and his sweat and his tears in would be Isaac's that was more than the firstborn right that was more than a paternal blessing that was more than just leadership in the family and a special place at, at the table Isaac I can hear the children crying Isaac what makes you so special Because the sons of the concubines of Abraham get gifts, but Isaac gets all. Abraham gave Isaac all and trusted him with everything because somewhere in Isaac's lifetime, he had trusted his father with everything he had. In Genesis 22, when Abraham and his son Isaac are approaching a region of Mount Moriah, and there's a few servants there with him, and Abraham tells them that me and the lad will go yonder, we will worship, and we will return to you. Isaac is strapped down with the wood for the sacrifice on his back. The crowd going up Mount Moriah, Isaac understands the drill. Dad, where is the sacrifice? Son, the Lord will provide himself. 
a lamb, knowing all along that if nothing came about, Isaac, God has told me to sacrifice you. He's told me to bind you. Understanding that at this time of Genesis 22, Isaac is not just a kid wet behind the ears. Isaac is already well into adulthood. He's not a young man. But for that matter, on Mount Moriah, when sacrificial time comes, we don't see no struggle on the mountain. We don't see no disagreement on the mountain. We don't see no fight on the mountain. Abraham, 100 years old when he had Isaac. If he's even 25 years old, 125 years old, I think Isaac could have whipped him. Amen, but we don't see no struggle that takes place on that mountain. But the Bible simply says this in Genesis 22. Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. No struggle. No fight. Nothing being said about don't be doing this. Hey, I'll take you if I got to, Dad. None of that happening. But a willful spirit. Amen. Under the hands of his father. A trusting spirit. Under the hands of his father. Maybe Isaac had thought in his mind. Maybe he was uncertain about his father's intentions. Maybe he was uncertain about his father's purposes. But there was a deep-seated trust inside of Isaac for the hands that handled him that day. There was a deep-seated trust inside of Isaac. I don't understand everything you're doing right now, Dad, but I trust who's handling me. I'm trusting the hands of my father. Some would say amen. So in that mode, here is the altar prepared. Here is the wood that's stacked there that was upon Isaac's back. And Abraham begins to wrap whatever it may have been, rope or twine, around about that boy and binds him. He puts him upon that altar. Isaac's starting to see very clearly where the sacrifice is. Amen. And that knife is drawn back, going to be laid to his son. And it is at that moment in time, amen, that something's about ready to happen. Abraham is on the verge of taking everything from Isaac. He's on the verge of taking everything from him that he has has primarily his life. He's poised there with knife in hand. He's on the verge of extracting and subtracting everything from Isaac's life. Yet in with the end we see a sacrifice did come. God blessed Abraham for trusting but I don't want you to forget we oftentimes look at the trust that Abraham had toward God but let's not overlook the trust that Isaac had towards his father. Those hands that he had seen work, those hands that held him when he was young, those hands that nurtured him, now to his estimation may be doing harm to him, but you know what he did? He trusted, he trusted, he trusted. He says, I don't know why, but I'm gonna trust you. I don't know what's going on, but I'm gonna trust you with everything I've got. Someone say amen. And as time would elapse, and Abraham is now living in the last moments of his life, and he's distributing his wealth, and he's distributing his, his goods, and he's divvying up, and he's giving some little gifts here to the sons of the concubines, the sons of Keturah, and he's giving some gifts to Ishmael, the son of the handmaid. Yet the Bible plainly says to Isaac, he gave all that he had. Abraham gave all to the one who trusted him when apparently everything was going to be taken from him. 
No, someone say hallelujah. I'm going to tell this body of believers right now. I do not wish upon one of you. I don't wish upon this church or anybody. Amen. For you to suffer the loss of everything. Amen. Or to you to get in a position or in a place in your walk and relationship with God where it feels as though you're... Where it feels as though you are suffering the loss of everything. But I dare to say there are probably some in the past years, amen, of your life that you have felt at times as though everything was being taken from you. You felt at times, I don't understand, God, what you're doing. It feels like everything's being taken from me. Everything you ever given to me, it seems like you're taking away. You're subtracting more than multiplying and adding to my life. And it feels like everything is being taken away. But child of God, Mark, this very well if you have felt like that in your life if you felt that like that in your Christian journey as though God was taking everything from you but you continue to trust him you continue to believe in him you continue to have faith in him understand well the tide is going to be turned someday in the hands of the father that you trusted that looked like he was taking everything from you he's going to turn around and give you all Ishmael didn't get off because Ishmael wasn't on a Mount Moriah to go through the trial of perhaps everything being taken from him. The other sons of the concubine of Keturah, they didn't get off. But none of them endured the test of all things being taken from them or feeling as though they were being taken from them. They did not know what it felt like. Amen. To believe all was going to be subtracted from their life, yet still trust the hands of the Father. I dare even say this tonight. The difference of the whole mode is this. And it may be people even get to the mode that it seems like God would take everything from them. But here is the true key for all of this is do you just continue just to trust him during those times? Don't put up your fight. Don't put up your struggle. Don't cause there to be a strong line of resilience. Just say, God, I'll understand why, but I'm going to trust your hands. And it's that type of spirit. It's that type of attitude that Abraham says, when are the end of time shall come? I'm going to turn around. And whenever you thought I was going to take everything from you, I'm going to instead give everything to you. I'm going to give you all that I have. Hallelujah. Someone say, just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. Just wait. He's going to turn around and give you all that you have. This was more than just about favor. This was more than just about love. This was more than just about the birth order of being the firstborn. It's about how we react when our father asks for a portion at times everything that we got. It's about how we react when the father asks of everything we got. Trust him. Trust him. No, this is going to become an amendment, an amendment to the criteria for finding a mate. Because in Genesis 24 and verse 34, the Bible says, and he said, I am Abraham's servant. And look, and the Lord hath blessed my master. Speaking of Abraham, greatly. He has become great. 
He hath given him flocks, herds, silver, and gold, men servants and maid servants, and camels and asses. This is Abraham. Abraham's servant talking to Rebecca. Yeah, Isaac and Rebecca. You can get Rachel and all of them all just kind of twist around. And he says in verse 36, And Sarah, my master's wife, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare a son, Isaac. And to my master, when she was old, and unto him, Isaac, hath he given all that he hath. One of the selling points that Abraham's servant used to persuade, to influence Rebecca to be Isaac's wife was this, that the servant's master, Abraham, was greatly blessed of the Lord with flocks and herds and goat and men servants and maid servants, camels and asses, and that his wife bore a son Isaac, and he was whenever they were aged, but Abraham gave Isaac all he had to Isaac. Not a double portion by firstborn right, but he gave him a portion above, if you will. He gave him all. Why was that important? Just to know that, hey, miss, this guy here's going to have some riches. Mm-hmm, baby. I'm talking about the glim glim, bling bling. No. Oh. But by virtue of this illustration to Rebecca, she knew, listen to me, folks, she knew that Isaac could be trusted with everything that his dad had. If his father was willing to give him all that he had. There's only one reason why a father would give his son everything he's had. And that's only if he could trust his son without any limitations. Trust his son. He was a man of trust. A man that could be trusted. I have all times, at different times, I should say, said from this pulpit. But sometimes God puts us through collectively as a body, individually, what he puts us through. Because he wants to know if he can trust us. Because he'll give gifts all day long to the sons of the concubines. But he'll only give all that he has to somebody that's willing to trust him when he is feeling like that God's taken everything from me. One night there was a family, it's a family of five in a Volkswagen. <laughs> There's a picture for you. Family of five in a Volkswagen, they're inching along, heavy rainstorm has taken place. Suddenly they see a man and a wife and a child in the pouring rain walking along the highway. They pulled over and asked if they could help in any way. They seen that that woman was carrying a baby. They said that they lived in a town a little ways over, several miles back. But the lightning that had crashed and come caused a short in their wiring of their house. And that it started a fire. It burned to the ground, but they had escaped. <clears throat> and so here they are. They just barely escaped with their lives and they're walking to the next town that's just a few miles away to stay with her sister. Now, there's five people in the Volkswagen. We're not putting three more people in the Volkswagen, okay? So they're, they're trying to get there till further provision could be made. And so uh, the man there of, of, of that vehicle, feeling sorry for the family, realizing there's no room in the VW here, amen, if anybody else, uh, he pulled out a $20 bill. He gave it to the woman. He drove off. 
A couple miles down the road, they pulled over into a gas station. He stopped the car and asked his family, he said, how much money do you have with you? And they began to pull their money together and kids began to throw their money up there. And before they got done, they had just under $100. He drove back to where that couple was walking in the rain. And he asked that lady that was sitting there, he says, do you have the money that I gave you? Surprised, the woman said, yes, I do. And he said, then give it to me. Perplexed. She reached into her pocket. She pulled out the $20. She handed it to him. He took that 20 He combined it with the other money they had pulled together. And then gave all that they had unto her. And said, here, our family would like to give you this. God has given us some precious gifts. We have employment. We have health. We have precious families. Everything that we have, if we really want to be truthful and honest with ourselves, it's not been that of our own getting. It's been the provision of the Lord. Health, precious families, employment. But at junctures in the road in this process called life, He comes to us. And he says, do you have that employment that I gave you? I want it. Do you have that health that I gave to you? I want it. Do you have that precious family, the perfect little family that I gave you? I want that one. I want to take this one. I want to pull this around. And it's in that moments of time we're like that woman. We become very perplexed. But God, I thought you gave this to me. But God, I thought, you, I thought you shared this with me and you're, you're asking for this and then we just give it back to him and at times it feels as though he's taken everything. It feels as though he's exacting everything from our lives. Some people even become very enraged toward God for taking some of those things. But he's taking that from you so that he can combine it with everything that he has so he can turn back around. If you trust him, have faith in him, and believe in him, he's going to turn back around and not just give what he took from you, but he's going to give you all, not that you had, but all all that he has but you gotta trust him in essence tonight guys if we can trust God with everything we got he will in turn trust us with everything he's Isaac probably being in his 20s when he was on top of Mount Moriah with his father would have Isaac himself the accumulation and the belongings of a 20 some odd year old. Isaac would. So as dad is taking everything from him his life and the goods that he accumulated in the 20 some odd years of his life upon the earth he trusted father in that. Letting God have his 20 years of accumulation. His 20 years of blood, sweat, and tears. His 20 years of trading and getting would be in the end of his father's life though. Had traded 20 years of belongings for 175 years that was granted to his dad throughout his lifetime. So I ask this today, 
collectively as a church, how does our present day all compare to the all of the ancient of days? How does what I've accumulated, how does what I've invested my life in to garner compare to the one of all who has been from the ancient of days? Who the New Testament apostles and their epistles write of unfathomable riches. I'm trying to ask us tonight that we would trust God with our meager offering. Which in reality came from him anyway. He'll trust you with his unsearchable riches. That are beyond tracing. That are beyond finding out. Folks, the story, the story in reality of Luke 15, the story of the prodigal is more than a story about an anxious young man that wanted to go do his own thing. The story of the prodigal is the story about a young man that did not trust his father with all he had. The Bible says in Luke 15, 12, that this young man, the younger of them, said to his father, Father, give me what? The portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided to him, unto them his living. What is the young man saying? Give me what's mine. Dad, give me what's mine, Dad. What are you saying? I don't trust you. I don't trust you with what's mine. Give me what's mine. Only later, folks, to realize that whenever you do not trust the hands of your father with all, that you will find out that you've cheated yourself out of everything that your daddy had. Because in that future moment, that son says, do not even the servants in my father's house have bread enough even to spare. But because I didn't trust dad with my portion, then that voids me of all that my daddy has. Oh, yes. <laughs> Amen. So we got to trust God because there is an immeasurable difference between your all and his all. <laughs> there is an immeasurable difference between your all and his all. The Bible says, Galatians 4.28. If you'll stand with me, I'll try to hasten to a close. In Galatians 4.28, the Bible says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. If we are the children of promise, as Isaac was, then note well that the children of promise will have a juncture in their road as Isaac did when it appears and at times feels like everything is being taken or asked of you, from you. But my plea tonight is this, trust God. Trust the hands of your father in that unwavering moment because when he's giving gifts to the other men, when he's giving gifts to all these different sons of the concubines, he's reserved over here all 
for you and all for me because we willingly trusted him with all that we had. It's easy to begrudge others sometimes whenever they're getting gifts. You know, nobody got me a gift. We revert to our childhood. It's easy to begrudge them. Whenever people are getting gifts, especially whenever you have gifts taken away while they're getting gifts. But you've got to keep the perspective that all is reserved for you. Listen to me, and I'm closing. Musicians, you go and come. You're not going to hurt me. Or... Might not even help me either. I don't know. Remember, Lazarus was tor tormented upon his days upon the earth, but the rich man was comforted. In the end of time, when everything was over, what happens? Lazarus is comforted. The rich man, tormented. Lazarus, everything being taken away from you, boy, living this life upon the earth. That's all right. He trusted God. In the end, he gets all that God has. The rich man, <clears throat> I'm not helping Lazarus. Everything that's mine, I'm keeping is mine. In the end, <laughs> not just temporary torment as Lazarus had upon the earth, but eternal, everlasting torment. We need not tonight, folks, to measure our relationship with God and what we deem as success or failure in this life. Because there's times that we will <clears throat> envy at times, quote-unquote, the success of transgressors. Hear me. The success of so-called sinners. Why do they have it so good? Why couldn't Dad take an Ishmael up Mount Moriah? Keturah has those litter of children. She could have spared one. Why couldn't we cook D-Dan or me-Dan? <laughs> Shua, for crying out loud, who needs to be named? Why did they take them up there? Mount Moriah. Why, why, why has this got to be me? They're the, they're the sons of the concubines. Why is this happening to me? I'm the child of promise. I'm the firstborn. Why is this happening to me? But we're asking the wrong question. The question is not how are they faring now. The question is how will they be faring when dad dispenses his goods? Are they going to be in alignment for gifts? Are they going to be in alignment for getting all that he has? Because like me, I suffered a time in my life that he was taken all from me. And Isaac, if you can endure and trust when God's taking, your father's taking everything from you, he's going to be able to turn around and give you everything he has. Let's bow our heads in this place. <laughs> God, I want all you got. Prepare yourself for a Mount Moriah. But he's going to try you. 
to see if you're willing then for it to appear like and maybe literally be done everything being taken from you. When we cry, God, I, I want everything because that's asking for more than the right of the firstborn. That's asking more for a patern- more than a paternal blessing or a good place at the, at the table. Whenever you ask for all, God says, first let me see if you can trust me taking all from you. And if you can trust me taking all from you, then I know without doubt I can trust you with everything I've got. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight. Maybe a man, there may be a... Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast.